everybody. We thank God for his goodness and his grace in our lives. We thank God for another opportunity to hear his word. How many of you have been blessed so far by our series, Journey into the Wilderness? If you've been blessed, would you say amen? I want to give a shout out this morning to Elder Sean Hunt and Elder Zach Maddox for last week blessing our hearts with a powerful word from the Lord. Would you say amen? The Lord always has, has a ram in the thicket. As a pastor, y'all, y'all prayed for me last week. I, I had to go and do some sacrificial mini, uh, missionary work in Bermuda. Oh, it was very difficult, saints, being there on those uh, pink beaches uh, with blue water. Oh, the things that you have to do for the cause of Christ. Sometimes it gets very difficult. I know your prayers were with me as you were here and and 37 degree temperatures, and, but my prayers were with you. I know you made it, amen? Now, but the Lord blessed us. We were uh, able to go to Bermuda last week and share the gospel. It's been some time since we've been there, but we had an awesome time, and I'm glad actually to be back home. Let me tell you this, seriously. It's nice to go to those places, but um, as much as I've traveled all around the world, there is no better place to be. No, seriously, trust me on this. <laughs> I have been everywhere. And anytime that plane lands back on United States soil, I'm serious. I thank God that I'm home. After a while, you get a little sick and tired of being on an island that's about five miles long. <laughs> and, you know, you're just kind of used to seeing a highway. You're just kind of used to your own house. You're just kind of used to your own accent. <laughs> just after, I mean, just there's no place like home. I've traveled, but I thank God that I'm here. Would you say amen? amen. Had a great time there, but glad to be home. Uh, ready to uh, share with you what the Lord has to say today. I'm going to invite you to go with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus, the 32nd chapter. Take out your Bibles, if you would, and go to Exodus chapter 32. If you don't have a Bible, we've got the uh, text right here on the screen for you to see. Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to move some of these mics over just a little bit so that you can see. Can you see the screen? All right. We're going to be coming from the New International Version of the Bible. And this is what the Word of God says. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the what, everybody? From the what, everybody? Can you see it? Are you, are you with me? Where was he coming down from, everybody? From the mountain. This plant could be a problem for somebody. Can you see past the plant? Plant in the way over there? You guys good? All right. You're welcome. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the, together now, what? The mountain. Very good. They gathered around Aaron. Now, this is crazy, y'all. And said, come, make us gods who will do what? Go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. Uh, We don't know what has happened to him. Verse 2, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Y'all still with me today? Verse 7, then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Verse 8, they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Verse 9, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a what, everybody? They are stiff-necked People. (laughs) Now leave me alone. This is the Lord talking to Moses. 
so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God's like, yo, let, I'm going to go ahead and kill them and I'll start something with you. Verse 11. But Moses, I love this, sought the what, everybody? The what? Favor is another word of grace. Or Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And this is what Moses prayed. He said, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Verse 12. Why should the, now watch this rationale. This is what he's praying to the Lord. He's like, hold on now, don't do this thing. He's like, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. In other words, Moses is kind of like, now if you do this, God, everybody around that's been watching this thing is going to kind of feel like you brought them out of Egypt on purpose just so you can kill them. He said, turn from your fierce anger. Moses still praying, talking to the Lord. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Verse 13, remember your servants. Now this is critical. Watch this. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, watch this, y'all, to whom you swore by yourself, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. These are the words of the Lord. Verse 14, then the Lord relented. And did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Church, say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask and invite the Holy Spirit to take charge of this moment as we study the Bible. We really want to hear what God has to say to us specifically in our lives. We got some stuff here today that we have bought in our personal lives corporately that only God can fix. We are praying in Jesus' name that the word of God will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Illuminate the dark recesses and the dead spaces in our lives so that we might be alive in and only through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our God, and our Savior, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, the title of my message today is Spiritual Ratchetness. Spiritual Ratchetness. Now, I, I want to first start by just kind of trying to explain to you uh, what the word uh, ratchetness means. Now, this is sort of a new school terminology. It's a hood terminology. It's street talk. It's slang all day. But it kind of speaks to sort of an issue that I see in this text today that I sort of want to open up to you. How many of you have heard that term, ratchetness? Anybody ever heard that? You ever heard some of the young folks say, that's ratchet, she's ratchet, he's ratchet. I hear them more or less saying she's ratchet than he's ratchet. But, but ratchetness, and, and this is kind of the face that you make when you see something that's ratchet. That's the face. If you've seen something that's, and those of you who know what ratchet is, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen some ratchetness, this is the face that you make. You're kind of like, I, I, I just can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said that. Can't believe they did that. What? That's like the reaction of ratchetness. Now, so let me, let me break down what the Urban Dictionary describes. Only, you can't get this in Webster's. You can't get this in Webster's. Only in the Urban Dictionary. How many are familiar with the Urban Dictionary online? Okay, so uh, the definition of ratchet is low class. I'm trying not to say this, but I'm just going to have to say it anyway because some of y'all might go over your head. Ratchet is the new word for ghetto. But it's a hyper-focused ghetto that's beyond the ghetto that you've ever seen. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ghetto on a whole nother level with like a twist of a, the second thing is, of a rudeness to it, all right? Or number three, this is the definition from the Urban Dictionary, the most reliable dictionary on the internet, by the way. And there's a shamelessness of ratchetness. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example uh, of ratchetness uh, that I recently saw. And listen, I do everything I can. There's so much stuff on Facebook. People all, almost all the time are saying, Pastor, I saw something on Facebook that would be good for a sermon. 
Facebook is, is one. No, listen, sometimes there are some good quotes. I'll be honest. Sometimes there's some good quotes on Facebook, some inspirational stories on Facebook. This is not like a, a Facebook bashing moment right now. Facebook is just a vehicle. There's good and bad on there. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I try to avoid using a lot of stuff on Facebook uh, to share in sermons, mainly because you heard them before, you saw them before, and sometimes you can't always tell the accuracy of what's posted on Facebook. You know, you can't always, some of it is just salacious, just to be honest. You know, sometimes it's just really like the National Enquirer gone digital, okay? But I saw something the other day. I just could not resist. I, I, I could not resist. And, and I don't know if it's true. But if it was true, I, I, I'm telling you, this is ratchetness on a whole nother level. So I'm watching a wedding. And there's a couple exchanging vows. While they are exchanging vows, a woman is already seated in the wedding. That's why I don't like doing Facebook, because you've seen it already. There's a woman, she's seated there in the wedding. While they're exchanging vows, she interrupts the wedding and the vows and basically suggests to everybody in here, don't believe a thing he's saying, talking about the groom, because I was with him last night. And he left my house this morning. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let's just say that happened. I mean, I, I can't deny what I saw. It didn't look like in reenactment. It looked like the real thing, for those of you that saw it. I, and the only thing I could think of, no matter if the brother is guilty, he ratchet. But the ratchetness of going to somebody's wedding with friends and family and just blowing the spot up. And then on top of that, let's not leave the brother unguilty. How ratchet can you be to have left your mistress's house that morning and then show, y'all not hearing me. And then go and exchange vows with somebody the same day. Brothers and sisters, I'm just trying to help you understand. That's what you call the bold, brazen understanding of ratchetness. That's what ratchet means, okay? Now, furthermore, more so ratchet than that is what I'm reading in this Bible text. Do you, can you follow me for a minute? You think that's bad? Consider now that God, uh, about 90 days ago, has just set free about 3 million slaves from Egyptian bondage. The Bible says that he did it with such a, I don't know how the Bible says, says he did it with a mighty hand. He literally humiliated and, 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 and subjugated every god of the Egyptians. The Egyptians believed in the god of, of gnats. They believed in the god of flies. They believed in the god of the, of the river Nile. They believed in, 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 in the sun god. God turned the whole thing into darkness. And they believed that Pharaoh was God, and God humbled him and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. So God essentially was saying, no, I'm God, and to prove that all the gods in Egypt are false gods, I'm going to punk all of them right now over the next several days. That's essentially what happened. He, he humiliated all of Egypt. Now, consider now, Egypt is the most powerful nation on the planet. A lot of people feel like the United States of America is, like, real powerful. The United States of America is a superpower. Egypt was an empire. In other words, they controlled literally the entire world. And what God did was is he rescued slaves and subjugated and humiliated an empire with a man named Moses and a wooden stick called a staff. That's it. That's all God needed to do. And the word of God says that immediately as God did this, he pushed them into the wilderness so that he might teach them about himself. He rescued them, and now he's going to restore them to who he wants them to be. As soon as they get out into the wilderness, you know the story, the first thing they start doing is they start murmuring and complaining after God just literally caused water to defy laws of physics and natural law. They saw God drown a whole army of the strongest nation on the planet. 
And as soon as they get into the wilderness, what do they start doing, everybody? They start complaining. They started murmuring. But, 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 but here's a crucial thing you need to understand. The intent of their complaining was not against God. The, the, the driving force behind their complaining was against Moses. We know that the Bible says that there was a pillar of cloud that was guiding them. So it wasn't like they did not know that God was there. They saw God in the cloud by day. There was physically a cloud that God's presence, and know that a cloud cannot contain God's presence, everybody. But that was the best thing that he could offer them without killing all of them. He says, I'll just hide in the cloud. And he says, and then, then at night when it gets cold to keep you warm, I'll turn the cloud into fire. God's doing all this, not to mention, did I, did I leave out that he was causing water that was bitter to become sweet, that he made water come out of a rock? Additionally, did, did I also tell you that he gave them a lifetime supply until they got to the promised land of heavenly food called manna? And the manna came down every day. I mean, they saw this on a regular, but yet they in the, this is ratchet, y'all, this is ratchet. God brings them now to Mount Sinai. God's on top of the mountain. God now speaks to them his laws. This is what the Lord says. Uh, when you have a chance, go to uh, Exodus, the 20th chapter and verse 1. Exodus 20 and verse 1. This was not on the screen, but this is what the Lord said. I want to set the picture and set the stage for you. The Lord says this to them. He says, I am the Lord your God. I'm introducing myself to you. I'm not talking to Moses. I'm talking to all y'all. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, and then he goes through the Ten Commandments. Everybody familiar with the Ten Commandments? Uh-huh. At least you've seen Charleston Heston's movie. Or if you're a little younger, at least you saw The Prince of Egypt, right? The first thing he says, though, before he gives the Ten Commandments is, I'm the Lord, your God. Look, do you see what's happening here? I want it to be clear. It's me. Hear my voice. I'm talking out of a mountain. There's thunder, there's lightning. I want you to be clear. I'm going somewhere, y'all. I am the Lord, your God. I am the one, I'm still quoting, who brought you out of Egypt. I want you to get this in your mind. They have experienced miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and now God's trying to teach them about himself. The first thing that comes out of God's mouth is, is be clear on this. It's not Moses. I am the Lord, your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now I want you to have no other gods before you. Now I don't want you to make any grave an image. I don't want you to take my name in vain. I want you to remember a Sabbath. You've not had that because you've been in slavery and worked seven days a week. As a matter of fact, most uh, scholars suggest that the Egyptians were on a five-day work week and they had no break. So they worked five straight and then five another straight. Essentially, they worked every day. He says, remember the Sabbath. I'm giving this to you as a gift because when you were a slave, you didn't even have a day off. And then he says, honor your father and your mother. I want your families to be tight. And then the Bible says, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet because I want your relationships with each other to be ones built on mutual love and respect. The Bible says that he says, I'm the Lord your God. I bought you out of Egypt. Now let me teach you how to be a kingdom. Now let me teach you how to be a priesthood. The reason I brought you out is because I'm trying to take you somewhere. And where I'm taking you, you got to get a new code of conduct. you got to get a new way about you. You've been slaves for too long. You don't even know how to act. You, 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 you've been in the ghetto for so long. You don't know how to use the fork and the knife. Come on, say amen. You don't know how to talk the king's language. I'm about to make you royalty now, but before I make you royalty, I need you to be clear, I'm the Lord, your God. It's me. I bought you out of the land of Egypt. With that in mind, I want you to remember these 10 things. The Bible says, immediately after God said that, Moses went up to get more laws, more things to help them. And in the face of all of that, the Bible says... <laughs> They said, uh, we don't know what happened to Moses. So, uh, been 40 days. 
Moses ain't been gone that long. And we see a lot of stuff going on on that mountain. It's kind of scary. Seeing thunder, lightning. The Bible says that the mountain was literally smoking. So their rationale, watch this, guys. Remember, the last thing that God said to them is, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm giving you ten things to change your life. While all of that is going on and Moses goes back up to get more good stuff for them, the Bible says it takes so long in their mind that they say, hold on, Moses is gone. We need a replacement. I need, I need something else I can see. Everybody following what's happening here now? So I only want to answer one question today, but I'm going to answer it three ways, and then I'm going to get out of your way. Go to the next slide. I want to basically, essentially help you to understand how a person could get so ratchet as to do that in God's face. They did this at the bottom of the mountain when God is up there working out stuff for them. I'm going to repeat that. God is up there working out stuff for them, and they're down here trying to work out stuff for themselves. i got to repeat it. God is up there working out stuff for them. They get impatient and say, i got to work out stuff for me. You haven't gotten it yet. I'm going to say that again. God is up there working out stuff for them to make them everything that they could even never imagine. And while God is up there working out stuff for them, they start trying to work out stuff for themselves And this is all they could come up with. Are y'all here? Can I show you how a person gets into this predicament? Let me show you. Look at the text again. The Bible says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around who, y'all, and said what? Come make us what? Who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. In this text, there are three reasons that are articulated that will show all of us how we ourselves get to a place. Everybody in this room right now has one of these. There's a way you get here, though. Most of you don't think you have one. But the truth of the matter is, is you were born with one. You didn't just pick it up. This is nothing more than a manifestation of what's already in your heart. Are you here? Can I tell you how a person says, God's up there working some stuff out for me, but I'm getting a little weary with his plan. How about this? Can I show you how? Can I show you how? Don't seem bored. Can I show you how? All right. I'm going to show you anyway. You know that. How they get here. First reason. First reason. First reason is they idolized Moses. I'm going to show you. They idolized Moses. They did what, everybody? All right. Now watch this. Watch in Exodus 20 what I'm talking about. Remember, the scripture does not say, and we got to be clear on this, the scripture does not say that they, and this is what my, used to be interpretation was that this was to replace God. The Bible doesn't say that they made a golden calf to replace God. They weren't breaking the first commandment. The first commandment says, have no other what? Most of us think they were breaking commandment number one. Well, they were kind of breaking commandment number one, but in their hearts, they still had God. Their issue was is they lost Moses. What's the scripture say? The scripture says, because Moses took so long in coming down, they came up with a plan and said, let's let's make a God. Do you see the connection there? They didn't say God left us. They knew God was there. Their issue was not God. Their issue was that they lost Moses. They were more bothered 
that they thought they lost Moses, which they really didn't lose Moses. It's just that Moses was gone longer than they had anticipated. But look at their preoccupation. Their preoccupation was, we don't know where Moses is. We got to do something. The first point I want you to understand is, is the reason why they got to the place where they, con they concocted and created that is because they idolized Moses. Watch this. Let me show it to you. Verse uh, 18 of Exodus 20. Is everybody still here? Amen. Read that together with me. When the people saw the thunder and lightning. Oh, by the way, i got to set this up. So this is after God gave them the Ten Commandments. The first thing, just remind you, what's the first thing God told them when he made the Ten Commandments? He said, I'm the, I'm the God. No, he doesn't even start with the commandments. He doesn't say, the first thing out of God's mouth is not, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. The first thing out of God's mouth is, is I'm the Lord your God. I mean, hear it like this, guys. This is what God is saying. He's like, I'm the Lord your God. He's trying to get them to see that it's about him. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, with that in mind, do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. I mean, it's a heart of love. I don't know if you guys are feeling it. God is saying, no, I, I saved you. I delivered you. Now consider doing these things that will improve your life. Now, after God says this, this is, a, this is ratchet, y'all. Watch verse 18. When the people saw the thunder, come on, y'all. And what? And they did what? With what? They stayed at a and said to Moses, now watch this. Here it is. Watch this. What did he say? And we will what? But what? But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to, y'all, oh, please get this word. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep Guys, I don't know if you oh, watch what's happening here. God said, look, all this time you've been worshiping false gods in Egypt. I killed all of them. I killed all of them, including Pharaoh's entire army. And I've saved you. One text says that he, he brought them out on eagle's wings. You were slaves and now you're somebody. And I fed you, I've cared for you, I've worked miracles after miracles. Now, can I talk to you for a second? You've been depending on Moses, you've been depending on idols, but no, I want a relationship with you. I want to deal with you one-on-one. -on -one. I don't want you to feel like you have to go through Moses to deal with me. I want to deal with you. Now watch this. When God, after God, after God expresses his vows to them in the middle of the wedding ceremony, here's where I'm going. To my ratchet. In the middle of them solemnizing the wedding as they're exchanging vows, God is making the first vow. I am committed to you. I'm with you. I won't leave you. As a matter of fact, in the verses before, he says, I'm even going to put myself in front of you. He says, I'm going to drive out all the Canaanites before you. He says, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be sick. You will never be in danger because I, the Lord, your God, am with you. After God makes this love overture, after God pours his soul out to them, yeah. this is their response. Whoa. You're doing the most. That was scary. That was a little scary. I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> Before Shanae, <clears throat> as you know, there's AD and BC. Well, <laughs> the B. <laughs> Before Shanae, uh huh. Uh, Before Shanae. I, uh, uh, there was a lady, it was a girl. Now, let me tell you something. No, I, I feel a little ego, I feel a little ego right now. So I got, Lord humble me, but I feel a little ego rising up. <coughs> I didn't have a hard time. I'm, I'm, please don't take this the wrong way. I didn't have a hard time with ladies. I just didn't. I didn't. I did not. And I don't think I'm the, the best looking guy, but I can talk. talk. I already know it's not the looks with the sisters. I'm telling you something, brothers. It's really how you carry yourself. It's what you say. Knowing that, 
given that, I had much confidence. I went to this one sister that I thought was just, I'm telling you, man, she was bad. Oh, she was bad. Don't worry, I'm good. My marriage is good, y'all. I'm just telling you where I was. And man, I walked up to this sister, and I'm telling you, I told, I mean, it wasn't no, it was no game. It was just simply, I think you're gorgeous. And I, 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 here was my game. My game was no game. I was like, I'm going to rock the no game move on her. I'm just going to go and keep it 100. I poured myself out. I was like, you are, I've watched you. I love your disposition. I love your personality. You're marriage material. <clears throat> like, can we, can we hook up? Yo, 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 I poured myself out. Dude, I wasn't playing no games. I wasn't trying, I'm listen, I wasn't trying to get in bed with her. I'm serious. Man, I was just, man, I was amazed by what I saw. And I saw a future. I said, homegirl, let's chill. Let's settle down. That's what I want to do. Just me and you. Yo, she dissed me so hard. Yo, I'm talking about she humiliated. It took me some time to recover from that. I, at that point, I felt like I would never be married. Yo, I don't know. Some, some of y'all ain't never experienced that kind of rejection before. But for those of you who are honest enough to admit that if you've ever experienced a rejection on that level, it makes you question everything about yourself. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Your boy just got played. And all my boys dogged me. By the way, I will point out, though, uh, as time passed and the Lord directed me to my real blessing, Sometimes God closes a door and he opens another one. Come on, say amen. I never should forget, we were at General Conference 2000 in Toronto, and I was walking with Shanae, and it's amazing. I saw her, and all of a sudden, she wanted to talk to me now. Oh, she wanted to talk to me now. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Sometimes you're more desirable when you get with somebody else. I'll tell you something. Well, anyway, man, is this not what happened with God's people? God was like, yo, I brought you out. I just hooked you up. I just blessed you. Man, let's get in a relationship. Their response is, whoa. Whoa. You're coming a little strong. All that thunder and that lightning and the the mountain on fire stuff. And watch what they said. They said, yo, Moses, watch this. This is not, this is a big deal. They said, Moses, um, we don't want to deal with him. Am I telling the truth? They said, Moses, we don't want to deal with him. We want to deal with you. We all know that was their hang up from day one. When they got hungry, what did they, they didn't say, God, you brought us out, of here, out here, and now we, there's no water. They said, Moses, you brought us out here. When they had no food and they got into the desert of sin, what did they, they didn't say, God, why did you do this to us? They, that would have been okay. They said, Moses, Aaron. How could you? Do you see what's happening here? They idolized, first point, this is how we we get into these messages. They idolized a man more than they idolized God. How does that happen in the body of Christ? How does that happen in 2016? Most of us in here idolize people more than we idolize God. Most of us do what we do either because somebody told us it was the right thing. We don't know it's the right thing for sure. We've never really read our way through the scriptures. Most of us came in church through culture and not through conversion. So we're simply just doing as we have been taught. We idolize the preacher. We idolize a Sabbath school teacher. We idolize even our parents. But we've got it. God is trying to get us to a place where we deal with him. God is trying to get us to a place where his voice is more sweet than the pastor's voice. That his voice is sweeter to us than the gospel singer. 
God wants us to get us to a place where our relationship goes straight to him. God doesn't need us to go through somebody. My, my faith, my hope is not built on a preacher. My hope is not built on a teacher. My hope is not built on a building. Do you see how superstitious we have become? Buildings and places and things we idolize while God is up, say, up there saying, I brought you out. I brought you out. I want to relate to you. I want to deal with you. Thank God for the preacher. Thank God for the building. Thank God for the church. Thank God for what you learned. But, but, but I want to get in a relationship with you personally. And our response is, is oh, it's too much. Just tell me, preacher, just tell me what to do. What are the rules? I'll, just tell me what the rules are. I'll do that. I don't, I, I just, I don't want to deal with God. Nobody will ever say that, but that's basically what we're saying when we put people, places, and things above our God. Some of us barely ever spend time in the Bible. We're always getting something secondhand from somebody else. Well, I was always taught or I, I was raised to do. How, let me ask you a question. That's, all I'm saying is this. I'm not going to beat up on you. That mindset of getting secondary information, of depending on mothers and fathers and preachers and teachers and places and things is the thing that got these people in that ratchet position where they were worshiping an idol while God was on the mountain. Are y'all hearing me? We are fast coming to a time in earth's history where what you learn from your mama, what you got from a preacher, what you receive from a denomination will not be enough to carry you through in these last days. You've got to know God for yourself. You've got to have a Bible text for what you're doing. Don't come in here talking about, well, this is what I feel and, and this is what I like and, and this is what I'm accustomed to. No, 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 no. See, I, Y'all, y'all, are y'all hearing me? Are you hearing me, saints? Do you not, are you not seeing? I'm, I'm trying to show you Bible. The Bible says they're at the bottom of the mountain. God is right now. God, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I got to tell you. You know what God is working on specifically? In chapter 25, we find out. You know what God is specifically working on for them while they're getting impatient and decide that they need not to replace God, but they were mad because they lost Moses. So they said, Moses is gone. What are we going to do? Somebody said, why don't we make a golden calf? Now, do you know what God was doing? This is your boyfriend. This is your mama. This is your pastor. These are your traditions. They weren't trying to replace God. They were trying to replace a way to relate to God. They said, this will not replace you, Lord. We love you too much for that. We just need this because we don't know what happened to Moses. And although we really like you, God, we're really scared because Moses is gone. Now, do you know what God was working on? Can I blow your mind? I'm getting ahead of myself, but I got to tell you. The Bible says in Exodus 25, verse 8, you know what God was working on while they were down on the mountain scheming? The Bible said, watch this. Let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. That's rich. This, I, I, listen, saints, I'm not preaching no, this ain't no sauce today. This is meat right here. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, while they are creating a plan for their own way to relate to God, and their plan is this. Moses is gone. He was our plan. Now that Moses is gone, we've got to replace Moses. God's saying, no, 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 no. I want to relate to you. As a matter of fact, while you're down here trying to concoct a plan, I'm working on a plan. Here's my plan. Let them make me a sanctuary that I might get closer to them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, while you're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. And God, notice now, God was in, see this now. God is in the cloud. He's above them. He's in a fire. He's distant. He's on a mountain. God says, I can't take this anymore. I'm too far from them. I'm in front of them, but I'm not cool with that. I'm behind them. I'm not cool with that. What I really want is to get in the midst of them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
while you're trying to avoid God, God's trying to get near you. While you're trying to get a word from a pastor and get a word from a book and you're trying to go to the next conference and, and you're listening to this person and that person and you're depending on this tradition and that tradition, God's saying, throw all that stuff away. I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want to get close to you. Are you feeling me? And while they're doing that, he said, let them make me a sanctuary. I want to get near them. Second reason. Go to the next one. Second reason. First reason they did what, y'all? They idolized Moses. Second reason they got impatient. So the text says, go to the next one. Look what the text says. And I'm telling you, hear me on this. Impatience has got to be one of the number one reasons that causes us to make dumb decisions. Because we don't get things when we anticipate that we should. I'm telling you. Oh, let's just be honest. How many of you, how many of you, we don't got to tell, talk about what you did, when you did it, and where you did it. But how many of you can say, Pastor, you preaching one of the hardest things to do in a relationship with God is to wait. You get a negative report from the doctor. No, no, I want to see how spiritual you are. Doctor says, you're going to die. There's no cure. Your situation is, there's no expert in the Cleveland Clinic. I'm starting to see this more and more often. Folks are getting sick. They come to Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic don't got no answers. Cleveland Clinic is a golden calf for some of us. Oh, I'm in Cleveland. I got the clinic. We're going to be good. Them folks in the clinic, I'll be up there all the time. They don't know what they're doing. I'm telling you the truth. The medical field is not a science. It's an art. They call it medical arts because they have to troubleshoot to find out sometimes what's wrong with you. If they knew what was wrong with you, why don't they just say, that's cancer? But they got to do a battery of tests to rule out stuff, and then they say, well, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, so it might be this. And I'm seeing situations now where it's not even that. They don't know. Hallelujah. But God knows. You can go to God. You can, hallelujah, Jesus. God wants a relationship with you. You're looking for a replacement. You're looking for another video and, and another new book and another. You're always looking for extra stuff when God is saying, get on your face. Come into your closet. Open up your word. That's why church is so boring to many of us because you're so dependent on a preacher, on a song. And God is saying, that's superstitious. You have made church an idol. Because you're impatient and don't want to wait on God. There are people who couldn't see or understand the process that our church is in. Can I just tell you why? I guarantee you right now, we would have lost none if we moved immediately into a big, brand new, shiny building. But I've had people say to me, Pastor, I'll come when it's finished. That's because people want the product but they don't want the process. They don't want to wait on God. And I have discovered that they that wait upon the Lord. Look, your strength is not renewed when you get the microwave blessing. Your strength is renewed when you learn to wait on God. God makes, God makes Christians in waiting. Hallelujah. God makes good wives while they're waiting and they're not rushing. Thank you, Jesus. God makes good husbands when they're waiting for the right one to come along and they're not trying to move ahead of God and create their own wife for themselves. God creates good business workers and good employees when they learn how to wait for the right job and not just take anything that comes along, even though it compromises the Holy Sabbath. I rather wait on God and suffer and go without because while I'm waiting, I'm preaching, y'all, I don't know where. While I'm waiting, my strength is being renewed. Let this thing go. Look what the text says. I'm preaching Bible, y'all. It says, when, what's my point? They idolized Moses. We agree with that. Second point was is they were impatient. Is that biblical? Let me show you. When the people saw that Moses was what? That's when they came up with their plan. 
It was the way. They, they, no, they didn't want to wait. And so this is what we do when we don't wait. And I'm going to end. This is what we do when we don't wait. We concoct plans. Go to the next one for me. Uh, next one. Yeah. First is they idolized Moses. They got impatient. And I'm telling you, out, listen, out of impatience comes the most wicked schemes. They idolized Moses. Oh, Moses is gone. What are we going to do? No, 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 no this, uh, this ain't in my sermon. This has nothing to do with my sermon. But, I, but this is interesting to note. Elder Cox, isn't it interesting that when Moses left, they didn't say, Moses is gone. Aaron, you take his place. They had no confidence in Aaron. <laughs> they said, uh, Moses is gone. Aaron, go make us a god. <laughs> By the way, I'm just trying to share with you, that's how many of your family members and co-workers view your relationship with God. They, because you don't possess the love of Jesus Christ and the power of God in your life, and God has placed you as a light in darkness at your job, in your family, come on somebody, they don't come to you when they need strength, when they need prayer. They avoid you. I'll take this, not her. She's not real. She ain't no Christian. She be in, she be in the lunchroom dogging everybody else with the rest of them. Yeah, I know she in church, but she's just as fake as the rest of them. She's mean. No, there's a difference between being friendly and warm. Some of us are friendly, which is, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. Good morning. But you ain't really dealing with them. Warm says, I'll invite them to my house to eat. We're friendly. We're the friendliest church in town. Yeah, you're friendly. You're not warm. You're not loving. How many know you can be friendly and not loving? I don't want to be a friendly church. I want to be a loving church. And so when people don't see that we have the love of God, they just go like this. I'll go be a Buddhist. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's real, guys. We're in a time now where people are looking at Christianity and saying it's a joke. It's a joke. I mean, Donald Trump claims to be a Christian. That's a joke. <laughs> ben Carson's a seventh-day Adventist. And he was dogged out. By, that's a joke. Mark Rubio. It's a joke. Look at them arguing up there. That's a joke. Hillary Clinton's Episcopalian. That's a joke. Those members over there at that church, they're a joke. I saw them at the club. I see, the way they, I see their families. I'm good with this. People are looking for something real. This is all they're saying, is I want something real. But when they don't see real in the body of Christ, when, I'm not just talking about nice, I'm talking about power. The only thing that brings power is love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Love. I've, I've interacted with people who don't even know Jesus, but they, but they are more than nice. Nice people see you on the highway and your tire is broken and they wave at you. Loving people, even though they're in a hurry, they stop and they say, how can I help you? But people will exchange truth for love any day. And out of all impatience, how much time do I have? What time is it? Out of all brothers and sisters, impatience. You know what next comes out of impatience? A scheme. I don't know how many bad financial decisions I made because I couldn't wait. Anybody driving a car right now that was so nice when you got it, but you don't even like it no more because it's just a big bill, you should have waited. <laughs> Some of you are living in a house, I just should have waited. Some of you were in a relationship. I should have waited. So watch the scheme. Scheme is, let's do this. So come make us what? Who will do what? As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of, out of Egypt. Uh, pause. We don't know what happened to him. So, so, so watch this. When we're impatient in our minds, I want you to hear this very carefully. Very, listen, everybody. Listen. 
See, what, essentially what they did was this. I got to make this strong application. They did not try to replace God. They already had. They were, listen, they were trying to replace a way to God. Are y'all following this? Their preoccupation was Moses. Some of us love people more than we love God. So, so <laughs> it's crazy. Aaron's standing, I think Aaron, in Aaron's mind, I'm sorry, you don't have an imagination. Aaron's kind of like, the people are like, man, Moses, is, he's probably dead. Now, you got to give him some credit, y'all. He was gone for 40 days. and 40, That's over a month, y'all. On day 39, they're like, okay, we can't do this no more. <laughs> this is ridiculous. He's dead. He's dead. The mountain's on fire. He's dead. We got to do something. So Aaron is standing right there. In my mind, I'm just kind of feeling like, Aaron, now that's Aaron's brother. If Aaron thought his brother was dead, why isn't he mourning? But Aaron's like, uh-oh, sorry, Moses. <laughs> Maybe he's gone to be in a better place. <laughs> he's waiting for his turn. Oh, Aaron, yes. Moses is taking a long time. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, I know. So Aaron, yes, I'm ready. I've been waiting on this moment. We want you to leave. No. Can you just build us a God? <laughs> Go to the next slide. Let me show. <laughs> the scripture says in Psalms 106:21, they forgot the God. Some of us said, the pastor ain't preaching. I ain't coming. No words here. <laughs> I ain't singing my song. What? Was she wearing that? Oh, I can't even worship. I can't even, I can't even, I can't. They're in where? I'll try to like clarify. Well, it's not really a club. I don't know. It's like a party center. You know, like. You know, here's the crazy thing, though. Like, we have general conference session at arenas. The same arenas where Jay-Z and Beyonce and Metallica <laughs> and KISS have concerts. But it's okay to have general conference there. But we can't have church here. It's a, see, because we're, connect, we're caught up in forms. Now, in my mind, gee, now what, now what, notice what God did. He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. You know what God is essentially doing? He's saying, I'm gonna, I want to get in the midst of the most wicked, stiff-necked people on the planet. Oh, Y'all not, not hearing this. I would like to suggest that wherever the most wicked places are in Cleveland, God's people need to be there. Oh, wait a minute, pastor. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. I was taught that we are to be set apart, separated. Oh, true. But we are to be different so that we can be salt and make a difference. Salt can't season if it ain't in nothing. There's a quote that says, some of us want to be in a cathedral with a chapel bell. But God wants us to build a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Many of us have a view of God and a view of church that is basically a replacement of Moses. And here's the result of it. I don't have time. I'm going to close this now. If I were you, I'd come to the second service. 
because what I really want to preach about, I didn't even get a chance to do today. There's a strong application that I want to make. I'm just going to make this simple one right now. Here's the result of leaning to your own understanding when you idolize things and you do not worship and put your trust and confidence fully in God and his word. Here's what happens. The scripture says they idolized Moses because they were impatient. And then they came up with a scheme. And you know what the scheme ended up being? Ended up being an orgy. The scripture says, the scripture says that revelry resulted. That they were, matter of fact, Moses is, and Joshua are in the mountain. And Joshua was like, yo, I think I, because Joshua's a soldier. Joshua was like, I think I hear the sound of war. <laughs> we didn't get a chance. And then we said, yeah, Carl, he's, he said, I think I hear the sound of war. No, no. And then Moses, Moses was like, no, 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 bro. You're thinking, you're thinking from a soul. See, everybody views life through their perspective. He's a soldier. He thinks war. Moses says, no, I've been with God, so I know the correct perspective. That's not the sound of war. That's the sound of a party. A dirty, nasty party. An Egyptian party. The, the, Greek, the Hebrew word there for reverie suggests a big, massive orgy. At first, they were just trying to find a replacement for God. Now, I'm telling you, anytime God is not number one, anytime you're not going directly to God and you're trying to go around God, trying to go through this, trying to go through that, using this, and you have all these ideas and concepts because you're really afraid to deal with God, you don't feel like you're really worthy to interact with God, that's the preacher's job. Let him pray for me. I'm in trouble. Uh, uh, preacher, come pray for me. Uh, a church uh, elder, come pray for me. Or, or grandma, or, uh, nothing wrong with any of those things. Don't misunderstand me, but I have no direct line of communication with God that you do not have. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we are justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, verse 2, and now we have access. Hallelujah, Jesus. Brother, you've got, you, I have no advantage to God that you don't have. Are you hearing me now? Uh, Charlene, I don't, I'm not closer to Jesus than you are. Moses did not have a more connection. The only thing is that Moses wanted God more. Moses wasn't afraid to talk to God. Matter of fact, you keep reading the text. The Bible says that Moses was so bold that he said, Lord, he said, I, I know they don't want to deal with you. Or, I know that they don't want to talk to you. He, he said, but can I just ask you a question? The Lord said, go ahead. He said, I, 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 I don't even know if I'm worthy to even go here with you. He said, but, but would you show me your glory? <laughs> he said, show me your glory. Uh, the Bible says no man can look at God and live. But Moses was so hungry for God. Not hungry for forms, not hungry for people, not in love with traditions, not in love with an idea. But he said, I want you, God. He said, Lord, I, this might even cost my life. I might die, but I'd rather die on this mountain in the presence of God than to die in the valley and be trying to work through some idol to get to God. And notice what God will do when you want to go to the next level in him. Hallelujah. When you are, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. When you want to get close to God, the Bible says he will in no wise cast you out. No matter how deep you want to go in God, there is nothing that you've ever done. There's no sin that you've ever committed that would ever uh, 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 hinder you from getting into the presence of God. God is not looking at you saying, ooh, she's not, she's not in her Bible. Ooh, uh, she, she ain't been to church. Or ooh, uh, 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 she ain't the pastor. Or ooh, uh, she, she ain't had uh, uh, communion. Or ooh, uh, she ain't done. No, 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 no. God is saying, oh, you want me? You want to get in my presence? You want to be with me? You, 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 are you serious? Do you really mean this? The Lord says, okay, that's a, now let me, let me tell you what, Moses. Uh, if I do this, I might kill you. So I'm about to put something in place to put a filter so I can let you see as much as me as you can handle. The Bible says that the Lord wants to show me your glory. He said, I want to know you. Show me your glory, Lord. The Bible says that the Lord said, all right, Moses, stand behind that rock. He said, he said now watch this. He says, I'm going to walk by. He said, don't, he said, don't, don't look. He said, you might die. He said, but, but what I'm going to do is, is my glory is going to be so strong that you're going to see my presence off the rock. And that's all you can handle. But it will be more than you ever had. Come on in here, somebody. The Bible says that the Lord, how does God, how does a God that the Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Those scriptures teach us that he is not, he, does, he is not contained by time. He's not contained by space. 
Carl Brandon, how can God be always going where he's coming from to get to where he is, to find out that he's already there, and even in that uncontainable majesty of his presence, say, I'm going to just give you a portion of me. I'm going to get in the middle of this mountain, and when I walk by, Moses, you get what I told you you can have. The Bible says that Moses was there in the cleft of the rock. And this is just my imagination. I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But the Bible says that the thunder and the lightning that scared everybody else didn't scare Moses because he wanted him. He wanted God. He didn't want religion. He didn't want what somebody told them. He didn't want to just come to church each week and do the same thing. He wanted a deeper experience with God. The Bible said the rumbling and thundering of the footsteps of God marched around that mountain. And just as God's presence got near, watch what God did. Notice what God did. The Bible said that God says, the Lord. He didn't move. He spoke. You're not hearing me. How do I get deeper in him? It's not from a feeling. It's from his voice. He said, no, watch this. Now, love this. God could have said anything about who he was, but he said, it's the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, long-suffering, gracious, kind. Oh, that's who you are? Come on now. That's what the Lord said. He didn't say judge. He didn't say justice. He didn't say we'll, 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 we'll destroy the wicked. He says, I will punish the, he said, I will punish the sins of the fathers uh, to the third and fourth generation. But then this is what he said at the end. He said, but I will show mercy to thousands. He said, in other words, he's trying, what he's trying to do is he's trying to erase the hard drive of Moses' mind and say to him, I'm not somebody to be afraid of. I'm to be feared, but not afraid of. There's a difference. He says, I'm somebody that you ought to want. I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. All I need you to do is say, yes, come in. Come inside. The Bible says, the Lord says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, loving, kind, merciful, good, long-suffering, gracious. The Bible says that Moses couldn't take it no more. And the Bible says he turned and looked and saw his glory. The scripture says that when Moses came down the mountain, see, this is what happens when you come out of his presence. Mike, this is what happens. Moses didn't know it. But people knew it. (laughs) The Bible says that his face was shining. (laughs) That's what happens when you look at him. That's what happens when you see him. You don't look the same. You don't act the same. Hallelujah. He'll change you. You got to come back for part two next service. I'm telling you, I got some stuff I want to drop on this church. Oh, my Lord. But do you want to go deeper? Come on, Willie. Do you want to go deeper? Or do you want to settle for this? My mom was real close to God. I'd never be close. Like, nobody says this, but this is how we think. Oh, my mom. Oh, what's my mom? And so when we lose people, like our whole spiritual life just crumbles. God is saying, I want a relationship with you. And, and, and don't believe the lie that I'm this mean God and I'm mad at you because you did something two minutes ago. He said, no, no, no. I'm the Lord, compassionate, loving, full of kindness and long-suffering and mercy. Don't listen to what people say about God. Listen to what God says about himself. Many of us are not even qualified to explain who God is because we don't know him. You've not spent enough time in his presence. You've not spent enough time in his word. You don't know him. Stop speaking for him. Until you come to understand he's the Lord, the Lord. Merciful, compassionate, gracious, full of mercy. Punishing the iniquity of the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but showing mercy to thousands. Hey, guys, listen, I don't care what you've ever been taught about God. That's not who he is. That ain't him. He's not, he's, not, he's not in heaven right now, that lie we tell. Looking at the next name. And when he come to your name, if you're not right, you're dead. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, full of loving kindness and mercy. Punishing the iniquity of the children to the third and fourth generation, but showing mercy to thousands to thousands, thousands. And with that in mind, 
He said, because I did that, serve me, serve me, serve me. Serve me, not the preacher. Serve me, not the elders. Serve me. Not your ideas and your concepts and your opinion. Worship me. Come unto me. That's what he said, elder. Come on. He said, come on. Look, he didn't say, come to me through the pastor. Come to me through the building. Come to me through the writings. Come to me through the denomination. Come to me. He said, come to me. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I... Heavenly Father, right now, the reason why we're in the wilderness is because you want to have a relationship with us that has no interference, that has nothing standing in the way of it. You want to deal with us directly. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You want to you get to a place where our voice, your voice, is so familiar to us. It doesn't frighten us. It doesn't scare us. It invites us. Come. 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 Come as you are. Thank you, Jesus. Come in the bar. Come with the needle in your vein. Come with the crack pipe in your hand. Come with the cigarette in your mouth. Come with the Hennessy in your cabinet. Come with the girlfriend in your bedroom. Come with your murder charge. Come with your conviction. Come with your felony. Come with your skeletons in your closet. Come with everything you've ever done. Come with your mental illness. Come with your brokenness. Come with your pain. Come with your shame. Come with your guilt. But Father, I came last time. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't stop coming. Get that calf out of the way. Get that calf out of the way. I want you. I want you. You come. Come unto me, all you that labor. Is there anybody today who wants to come to him? To him? I want to invite you to stand right where you are. You want to come to him? You want him? You want him? Him? There may be somebody here today that wants to join this church. You want to be baptized? We're having a baptism today. Isn't that amazing? You may not be baptized today. I don't know. But you feel the Lord calling you to recommit to him. To be baptized, rebaptized, or to join this church by profession of faith or by letter, by transfer. But either way, you feel God saying, come, be a part, connect, get in. Is the Lord speaking to anybody today? If the Lord is speaking to such a person to make a decision right now to say, Pastor, I hear you. God's telling me to be a part of this fellowship, to be a part of this fellowship and to come into deeper relationship with God, with the saints of God. Oh, I know God's talking to me, right? If the Lord is speaking to you, just raise your hand. He is gracious, loving, kind, full of mercy. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Nobody is looking. Everybody's praying. So if, you, if, you, if you're desire, if you feel the Holy Spirit saying, you need to come deeper with me. You need to come. You need to be a part. You need to make a full decision to say, I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, either in baptism, rebaptism, joining this church family, rededication, recommitment, whatever God is telling you to do in terms of coming to him, I want you to just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. The Lord's talking. Nobody's looking. It's just between you and God. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Please. The Bible says, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. One of the worst things you can do is to hear God speak and not obey. I promise you right now, just raise your hand. Just lift your hand right now. Be close to you. I love that song. 